Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. This morning we're continuing in our study called Work Matters to God. Now in the four previous messages, we focused on really the big picture issues. If you notice, we focused on work in creation, work in the fall, work in redemption with Jesus, and last week was the restoration of work. So we went creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And this morning we uh, move on to pass out of the big picture issues of work to just look at common questions we have of work. Maybe this, one of these is, maybe this is one of your questions. You've gone to a Bible conference or you've gone to a Bible and missionary conference and a speaker in that conference was real direct. They, they pushed you and they pretty much left you with the impression that if you want to be doing something significant with your life, if you want to make a difference for God, you should be either a missionary or a pastor. You should be involved in full-time Christian ministry. Because that's where the, the God-given action is at. And if you're somebody who's in the workforce, you're really not making much of a difference at all. Sometimes you'll hear speakers that will analogize it. They'll say, the world is like the Titanic. It's going down. And you in the, the workforce world, all you're doing is rearranging chairs on the deck well, the rest of us in full-time Christian ministry, we're actually trying to save people who are going to be drowning. Do something significant with your life. Get involved in church work. Or maybe you are, you're a businessman and you've gone to one of those business prayer breakfasts. And in the, the prayer breakfast, you have a speaker who has left the workforce and he's gone into full-time Christian ministry and his theme for that morning is moving from a life of success to a life of significance. And he challenges you to get in, out of your profession and get involved in full-time Christian work because that's where God's action is at. Now, is this true? Are full-time Christian workers the ones who are making a real spiritual difference and those who are involved in ordinary work? Are they sort of sidelined? Are they not really doing anything important with their life at all? That somebody who spends their day you know, writing loans or working on a road crew or even a stay-at-home mom, are they doing insignificant work? Is ordinary work important work? This morning we're going to answer that question. To begin, we're going to start in history a little bit. We're going to look at the Reformation. Now, the medieval church was very different than the modern church that you're accustomed to, especially if you come to Crosswinds. The medieval church focused on a great separation between the church and the world. The medieval church had developed hierarchies. It had developed structures. It had developed sacraments. It had developed a whole category of monasticism that separated the people of the church from the people in the world. 
In fact, the medieval church uh, would pose itself saying that um, the church was God's work on earth. And if you wanted to do something significant with your life for God, you either need to become a priest, a monk, or a nun. Those who did uh, the rest of the work, that was a demeaning necessity. Now, as you know, uh, there was something called the Reformation. And Martin Luther took issue with some of the practices of the church. He saw that didn't jive with what the Bible said about the gospel truth. And one of the things that Martin Luther um, talked about was something called the priesthood of all believers. And the priesthood of all believers essentially means that you don't need to go to a priest to be able to talk to God. That you can go to God directly on your own. And that priests were not like a separate special class above the rest of us. And the priesthood of all believers is not something that just applies spiritually. But Martin Luther, if you check it out, actually talked about how it applies vocationally. That just as um, we could all go to God directly, all vocations that served the common good and built up society were valuable to God and honorable to God. In fact, God calls people to vocations that are not even necessarily church work. One of the ways he uh, illustrated this was from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. And you can find this in your outlines. The verse says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Now, I want to point out the words assigned and the word called. In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, God uses, or Paul uses those same words. Calling, he talks about how God calls us to salvation. Assigning in those verses, he talks about how God assigns us different spiritual gifts. But here, if you go into 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17, he's not using those words in a very spiritual way. He's using those words about ordinary work in life. That God calls us to sometimes a very secular normal vocation. God assigns us the gifts and the talents necessary to do secular, normal, ordinary work. Not just church work, but regular work. For instance, Martin Luther illustrates this when he preaches on Psalm 147, verse 13, which says, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. Now, for he strengthens the bars of your gates is talking about how God protects a city. And Martin Luther argues. He says, can God protect a city supernaturally? Of course. We see that all over the place in the Old Testament. But how does God often answer the prayers of his people for the protection of their city? Often he answers it through enabling ordinary people to do ordinary work that goes into protecting a city. 
He answers it by giving the city good iron workers who make good iron bars to protect the city. He answers the prayer by giving the city good policemen who are faithful and just in their work. He answers the prayer by giving the city good government and good leaders who are faithful and true and just in what they do. And they protect the city. They don't give vulnerability to the city. That God answers the prayers of his people for the protection of their city many times by just enabling people to do the ordinary work that goes along with society. Because God calls people to ordinary work, and he equips people for ordinary work. Ordinary work is important work. He also talks about it in his sermon on daily bread. When God's, when we pray, uh, Lord, provide our daily bread. Now, can God miraculously drop manna every morning to provide our daily bread? Like, of course, we've seen this in the Old Testament, but how often does he answer this prayer? By equipping the farmer to plant the grain. He brings the rain and the sun to grow the grain, and he equips the farmer to harvest the grain. Then he equips the mill worker to turn the grain into flour. Then he equips the baker to turn the, the flour into bread. Then he equips the, the man who runs the store to sell the bread, to provide people with their daily bread. That What um, Martin Luther really focused on was the fact that many times God answers the prayers of his people through the ordinary work of his people. And the first point is this. The Reformation rediscovered that God's work was not just church work. That God called people to ordinary vocations. And he equipped people with the skills necessary to do ordinary vocations. He didn't just call church work. And he didn't just equip for church work. The next thing we learn is this. Jesus. Jesus gave value to really ordinary work. Look at Mark 6 verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Josie, and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. It's an interesting verse. Jesus is preaching, and they're like, who are you? We know you. You're just the local carpenter. What are you doing preaching? Jesus spent three years, approximately, in full-time ministry. But what was he doing all the time before that? Ordinary blue-collar work in a small town. Ordinary work. Jesus gives value to ordinary work. He didn't grow up in a, in a monastery, secluded someplace. Jesus worked for a living. He, he cut wood. He sawed wood. He sanded wood. He had calluses on his hands. Jesus probably framed houses. He built tables. He built chairs. Jesus did lots of ordinary work. Remember, it wasn't like Jesus went along and he was this guy who didn't have a clue who he was. And then all of a sudden, there was like this epiphany moment and everything changed about Jesus and he went into ministry. 
Now, we look at the scriptures. Remember at age 12 when his parents left him behind at the temple? What was he doing to the rabbis? He was baffling the rabbis with his knowledge of scripture and biblical insight at age 12. But what was he doing from age 12 till he went into ministry? Around age 30. Ordinary work. Blue-collar work in a small, obscure town as a carpenter. Now, was he capable of much more? Oh, yes, he certainly was. We saw that when ministry came around. But it was okay. It was okay for him to do ordinary work. Jesus didn't think it beneath himself to labor in ordinary work in a small town, even though he was capable of so much more. Folks, if Jesus didn't think itself beneath himself to do ordinary work in a small town, even if he was capable of so much more, we shouldn't think it's beneath ourselves to do ordinary work in a small town, even if we're capable of more. Think about Jesus' identity. What does the Scripture say about him? Colossians 1, 15-17. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, whether visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is the one who fashioned the entire universe. Jesus is the one who spun the planets and cast them into their orbits. Jesus is the one who fashioned every sea creature and every whale. He fashioned every animal. He fashioned every angelic being. Yet, here he is fashioning tables and chairs in a small town carpenter shop. My friends, ordinary work is important work. And Jesus didn't think it beneath him to do it. We shouldn't think it's beneath us to do ordinary work either. Now, look at this sub-point here. You know, ordinary work was actually God's will for most of Jesus' life. Sometimes I talk to people who uh, they work on the assembly line at Polaris or they work for pure fishing and they're just a truck driver, they say, or they work for Fifth Thirds Bank and they're just a teller and they say, you know, I'm, I know I'm capable of so much more. I, I feel like I missed God's calling on my life because I'm just doing this ordinary job. But you know, sometimes that ordinary job is exactly the center of God's will for your life. And sometimes it's that way for a long period of time. I was thinking about this. When Jesus went into ministry, right before he went into ministry, he was baptized. In Mark 1.11, it says this, And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. God the Father talked about his Son's life. Now, up to this point, he had spent his entire life working as a carpenter in an obscure small town. Yet God the Father said, that's exactly where I wanted you. I'm pleased with how you lived your life. And I think this is important. 
In the same way, sometimes God calls us to do ordinary work in a small town that just sort of flies under the radar. Nothing wrong with that. That was the calling of God the Father upon Jesus for most of his life. Now, can God change that calling? Yes, he did that with Jesus. He moved him from obscurity to prominence when he went into ministry. And he can do that with us. We may work for a long time in an obscure, small town, and then he can move us into prominence. That's, that's God the Father's call. But it's not necessarily that the first half of your life was a waste. That was God the Father's will for your life. The other thing we learned about Jesus is that ordinary work is actually the way Jesus served his neighbor. The Bible talks about the fact that we are to love God and love our neighbor. And we've learned in this series that one of the ways we love our neighbor is by simply doing our ordinary work and doing our work well. I began to think of it. What would it be like to buy tables and chairs for, from Jesus' carpenter shop? Do you think they were good? Do you think the legs fell out? Do you think they squeaked? Do you think there was a quality control issue? Probably not. I think his work was known for being really good work. And by doing that, he just loved his neighbor. And when we do our ordinary work in a small town and we do it well, we love our neighbors. And sometimes, I'm sure in Jesus' carpenter shop, when he was closing up and he's about ready to go home, you know there's a, probably a guy who came in with his broken axe handle. And Jesus had to stay late and in a crisis situation, Jesus had to fashion a new axe handle and put the head on it so that other guy could go back to work. So sometimes, you know, loving your neighbor is doing hard work and helping people in a time of crisis. That's ordinary work, but it's good. Also, I think ordinary work was Jesus' training ground for greater work. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Now, in this passage in Hebrews, it's talking about Jesus' suffering ultimately on the cross, and he learned obedience to Christ. But I think this can apply to all of Christ's life, because the point is that Jesus was fully human. And to be fully human means we go through the process of learning. So Jesus learned lessons of work. Work teaches us about what it means to serve other people, doesn't it? And it teaches us how to serve people who are sometimes difficult people to serve. I can just picture Jesus in his carpentry shop, and you have an irritable customer. And yet Jesus focused on, how can I serve him? And that prepared him, ultimately, for John 13. Remember the upper room when he got down and he washed his disciples' feet? When he did a great act of service? The smaller acts of service at work, I'm sure, prepared him for that. So the first thing we learned is this. We learned that the Reformation rediscovered that God's work was not just church work, that God called people to and equipped people to ordinary positions of work. The second thing we learned about ordinary work is that ordinary work was actually God's will for most of Jesus' life. The third thing we learned about ordinary work is this. All work that builds up society and that serves others is actually important work. Romans 12, 3-8 says, And for the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These verses are speaking about the local church and that God gives different gifts to people in the local church because we're all part of a body. And the body has different gifts to serve each other. But I think that this could be extended because God doesn't just give gifts to people in the local church, but we see, saw earlier that God calls and equips people to serve others in society. And the fact is that God gives us different gifts of vocations so the body of society can function well. That all the jobs that we have fit together to make society function. And without them, society won't function. So sometimes we sit there and say, well, I'm just a waitress, or I'm just this, or I'm just that. My job is not that important. And what I do is not that significant. I challenge you to think of it a little differently. Look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 17 through 19. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? The point is that God gave different parts of our body. Uh, for instance, how would you like to do without your ears today? Life wouldn't be good. Should we get rid of a brain? Life wouldn't work well. Let's get rid of our hand. Well, we need all the members of our body for our body to function well. And in the same way, we need all the different jobs in society for society to function well. For instance, some of you may say, well, I'm just an ordinary person. I just, I'm a waitress. That's all I do. How is my ordinary work important work? Take away all waitresses. Imagine what dinner would be like in a restaurant. You have to go up to the cook. You have to get your food from the cook. You have to do all the refills yourself. I would think that restaurant attendance would go way down, wouldn't it? Because it would be a chore to go out to dinner because you had to do all the work. Well, thank goodness we have the ordinary work of people being a waitress. Some people may say, well, I'm just a mechanic. I just fix cars for a living. What happens if you get rid of all the mechanics? As soon as your car breaks down, you're stuck. It's just there. You can't fix it because all the mechanics are gone. But ordinary work is important work. And God gives people and equips people for those jobs. Like, I can't fix my car. 
Some of you have been called by God and gifted by God to do those things. And that's important stuff. It may not seem like it's important to say, I'm just a mechanic. But you're needed for society to function. How about teachers? Moms, imagine if you couldn't send your kids to school and you had to fully be responsible for all their education. Now, some of you are maybe gifted enough, you can do that. Many of you aren't. If we got rid of all the teachers, things would not go well in society. So, ordinary work is, a, is important work. God calls people to ordinary work. He equips people with the gifts for ordinary work. Jesus had value to ordinary work. Now, the other thing we need to see is this. Ordinary work is often more important than we realize. It says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Some of you know that we've had this little saga in our family that my father has moved out with us. He's here with us in Iowa. And we had to move the entire contents of his house from Philadelphia over here to Iowa. And so you've already heard about the saga. We bought that first trailer. It didn't turn out to work too well. We traded it back in. We got a second trailer, pulled this big, huge, 24-foot-long, eight-and-a-half-foot-wide, six-foot-six-high trailer out to Philadelphia. It took us two days to pack the thing. There's not much airspace in this monster trailer. I mean, we've had this thing really heavy. It has the entire contents of my dad's house. We're, we're driving back, David and I, think things are going well. We're going through Ohio. And all of a sudden, there was this huge clunk. I felt my truck lurch to the side of the road. I was 70 miles an hour on the tollway. I look at my right rearview mirror to discover I have no tires. They both snapped off. Thankfully, we were able to get to the side of the road without the entire contents of the trailer ending up on the highway, which of course would have been interesting to watch my dad's house be destroyed by semis. We made it to the emergency exit area. I get out, I walk to the back, and this is what I see. I'm riding on the drums, and all the studs in the wheels, except for one, are gone. Houston, we have a problem. How are we going to get back to Iowa? And how am I going to fix this? And I'm picturing it took me two days to pack this trailer. It's going to take me who knows how long to unpack it on the side of the highway. No idea what to do. Thankfully, there's those signs on the side of the highway that says, you know, if in trouble, call star 990. I'm like, think there's one in front of me. Convenient. I call star 990. The lady on the phone is there. And I said, hey, this is what happened. I explained my trailers. I think I need a flatbed, a really, really big flatbed. So she sends a flatbed. Didn't quite work out well. The flatbed was smaller than my trailer. I gave her the dimensions, but didn't compute. But here's where it gets interesting. The guy in the flatbed, he looks at it. And after chuckling for a while, he goes, I know just what you need. You need Delbert. Delbert? Yeah, you'll know him because he drives an old ambulance. Now I'm really curious. You know, who is Delbert with an old ambulance? So he just hangs out for a little bit and eventually leaves. He's like, you don't worry. It's all going to work out. Delbert is coming. Well, Delbert shows up. And don't put the picture up yet, Jeremy. I'll tell you when. Um, 
Delbert shows up. He's a big, huge black guy. He's driving this old ambulance that they've spray-painted into sort of a roadside service truck. And he has just filled with tools and a huge air compressor. And I'm thinking, how can you lift my trailer up with all this weight in? No problem when you've got a huge air compressor and air jacks. Lifts the trailer up, pulls the drums off, looks at it and goes, hey, I know what to do. Gets in his ambulance, drives away. He apparently goes to a trailer company, buys new studs for both wheels, brings the bolts back, and in the back of his ambulance, okay, he, which he has transformed into a mobile um, automobile repair shop, he puts the new studs in the drum and does all the work on the side of the road, puts the drums back on my trailer, puts the wheels, gets some wheels on the trailer, and I'm good to go by the end of the day. And so I'm talking to Delbert. I'm discovering Delbert is a Christian. And Delbert is just an auto mechanic with an old ambulance. But I'll tell you, his ordinary work is important work. Put up Delbert. Here's Delbert. And his ordinary work is much more important than you ever realize. Because I could still be on the side of the Ohio Turnpike if it wasn't for him. And he has this joy, he says. He knows that he's going to come into a crisis situation with people who have absolutely no alternative. But he has the ability in his old ambulance to repair most things on the side of the highway. Isn't ordinary work more important than we ever realize? And thankfully, God has equipped him and gifted him to do this. In fact, if you think about it, some of God's best work is done by people in ordinary work not by people in church work. Isn't this true? Remember, God calls and gifts people for ordinary work. Think about Daniel. How did Daniel get his calling? Real easy. <laughs> Just sort of drug into captivity against his will. And all he does is do his work right. He ends up being head of the magicians and, and enchanters in Israel, or in, in Babylon, excuse me. Could you see him writing home to mom about what his new job there? Uh-uh. He's in the ultimate hostile work environment. But he's faithful to God in his call. And through Daniel's ordinary work in a secular vocation, three of the world's powerful rulers hear about the good news of God. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar in the book, middle of the book of Daniel actually seems comes to repentance and comes into a relationship with God because of Daniel. The guy gets isn't a book in the Old Testament. He gets her own book. His ordinary work is incredibly important work. And it wasn't church work. But God called him and equipped him to do it. How about Esther? Did you ever think about her? Well, she was called to ultimately be the queen of King Xerxes. That's a pretty high calling. And how was she equipped to do it? She had to win a beauty pageant. And so God equipped her by making her drop-dead gorgeous. And she won the beauty pageant. And she became queen to the king. And what happens from there? God has called her to save the nation of Israel from genocide. Her ordinary work is important work. She gets her own book in the Old Testament once again. See, God doesn't just call and equip people for church work but he calls and equips them for ordinary work. And sometimes the people he calls for ordinary work do things that are of even greater significance than people who are in church work. 
How about David? David wasn't called into church work. David started his career out simply working in a small town farming, watching sheep and grass grow. All of a sudden, through the way God works things, he finds himself in MMA, in the octagon with a guy called Goliath. And he wins. Now he becomes a war hero. He goes from there to get into music. In fact, he gets into professional music entertainment for the king. From there, he ends up in the king's bodyguard. Another career change. Then he becomes a fugitive from justice and finally king of the land. All over the world, the place with his career path. But his ordinary work was important work. It wasn't church work. How about Joseph? Joseph, once again, he found his career path by his own brothers. <laughs> they sold him into slavery. And when he was in Egypt, he didn't spend his time whining about how he felt like he was called to do something more besides be a slave. He just served God faithfully where God had called him. And he rose in the ranks of Potiphar's house. He did the right thing when Mrs. Potiphar made a pass at him, and he got treated as if he did the wrong thing. Found himself in the dungeon. But... <laughs> He sat there and was faithful. And in the right time, God moved him from the dungeon room to the throne room. So his work was to save Egypt from death by famine and hopefully to save Israel and his father and his brothers from death by famine. His ordinary work was important work, and it wasn't church work. Ordinary work is very important work, and God calls people to it. And God equips people for it. Maybe one of the most uh, poignant examples I read about in my studies happened in 1689. In that year, the Parliament outlawed the importation of alcohol into Britain and uh, Ireland. And unexpectedly, they sent off what happened in the 1700s in Ireland, something called the gin craze where people began making whiskey and gin to drink, and they made lots of it. In fact, one in every six houses in Ireland during that time was called a gin house, where they served or they, and they made alcohol, and the proof on the stuff was incredibly strong. The entire country was in a drunken stupor. And you ask, well, why was this? The deal was that water in that day. Okay. We're good? All right. The deal was that water in that day, they didn't know about microbes and microorganisms, and they didn't know about uh, how... They didn't understand why people ended up getting sick all the time when they drank from the rivers and the streams. So people would drink alcohol because the only way they would not get sick from what they drank. And Arthur Guinness was a Christian in that time, and he was heavily burdened by the alcoholism, the drunkenness in his country and society. And he was praying, God, what should he do about it? And one time, uh, John Wesley was preaching in his church, and he felt God calling him. Not calling him into ministry, but as he says, I felt God calling me 
to make a drink that men could drink that would be good for them. What Arthur Guinness invented and then made was a dark, stout beer, which is often called Guinness beer today. The interesting part was it had much lower alcohol content and it was high in iron. So people would feel full before they had their second pint. And because of Arthur Guinness's work, it helped lift his nation out of a drunken stupor by what he did with his ordinary work. Now, he took the success of his business, and he did something with it. He was the first one to start Sunday schools in Ireland. He loved Jesus Christ. and He wanted to use that success to share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. He wanted to pass on a good legacy, and his children did some amazing things. Uh, one of his, I think his grandchildren was an evangelist. Another was involved in politics and eventually outlawed dueling in Ireland. Um, another really worked mightily to try and outlaw or try and eradicate poverty in Ireland. Some great stuff happened. But he didn't want to just take the success of his business that helped lift a nation out of a drunken stupor and just be content with that and then just like spend all the money on himself. But he reinvested that money in his company and in his employees. In fact, in the year 1928, one year before the Great Depression, if you worked at Guinness Beer, this, these were your benefits. 24-hour-a-day health care, 24-hour-a-day dental care. Um, your funeral expenses were completely paid for. Your pension was fully taken care of by the company. You didn't have to add into it. The company put, away, put aside your pension. In fact, um, they had a reading room. They had an athletic facility. They had a library. Um, if I can remember all this stuff, I've got so many things in here. They had a dental plan. And um, your funeral expenses, I mentioned, were paid for. This was 1928, not 2015, working in Google. In fact, Arthur Guinness's ordinary work was incredibly important work. As I mentioned, it lifted a, a nation out of a drunken stupor and it ministered to hundreds of thousands of employees over the years. My friends, ordinary work is important work. Church work is not a better vocation. It's just a different vocation that God calls people to and equips people to. Jesus gave great value to ordinary work because he spent most of his life in ordinary work. In fact, all work that builds up society and that serves others is important work because society is just like a body. It needs all the different jobs to be able to function. Not only that, but sometimes the most ordinary work is the most important work. And we, we don't realize that until you're stuck on the side of the road. And some of God's best work is done by people who are called to ordinary work, not church work. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for ordinary work and for making it important. Thank you, Jesus, so much for um, giving us the, uh, the gifts and skills and abilities to do simple things serve as a waitress or to serve as a construction worker, all kinds of things that are important and essential in society. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.
This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.